When there is a lack of human dignity from conception all the way to the grave, there will be a society that will not honor the image of God, that will see people as less than created in His image, as subhuman. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. This is the third Sunday of January when churches around the country recognize uh, National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And for the last couple of years, I've kind of had a, a shift in direction. We've typically mentioned this and prayed for this, but I really believe there comes a point when we as the church of God have to declare God's truth in love. I began reading a number of years ago about how people who believed in abolition would preach against slavery every year until slavery was done away with. And so I have declared uh, in my own life and ministry to preach against abortion every year until God willing it's done away with. And I want you to understand the heart in which we preach this. It's a, it's a difficult subject to preach on. I do not deny that women are often neglected and abused in this culture. I do not deny that minorities are special targets of evil. I understand that in many cases, the church has not done anywhere near what we need to to help women who are facing this issue. But I do believe if we will look to the image of God, we can see and declare not what we feel, not what we think to be right, but based on what God's Word actually says, to send that love and truth out into the culture. Look with me in Acts chapter 17 and beginning in verse 16. We're going to see Paul in the city of Athens paying tribute to the unknown God. It says, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who had lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, that the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. 
Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus and Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Here's the Apostle Paul on a layover waiting for Saul and Timothy in Athens. He looks up at the Acropolis, and he would have seen the Parthenon, that great hallowed temple of its day. And from there, he could have seen the nearby Areopagus, Mars Hill, which is one of the great debate stages in antiquity. And he saw that the city was full of idols. His spirit was provoked within him. And he says to them, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. What therefore you worship as unknown him I proclaim to you. They would have been surrounded by all of these idols, idols to the sun, the moon, and the stars, and everything in between. But the Greeks wanted to make sure that they didn't leave anybody out, and so they had a specific statue dedicated to gods that were unknown. And Paul claims that and says, that God I can make known. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. In him we live and move and have our being. He flips the title around on them, even as some of your own poets have said, we are indeed his offspring. The greatest problem of our age and of every age is that we consistently worship the creature rather than the creator. We worship the form rather than the content. We worship the book rather than the author. They knew not God nor did they seek to honor him as God. I would say that we live in a very religious age. We talk about spiritual experiences and sacred moments. We live in a society that sees the supernatural as kind of this escape route, whether than as God's eternal plan. We live in a society that often denies the power of God while having a form of godliness. And what the scripture constantly declares to us is that our hearts are made to worship. And everyone will worship something. Either you can worship and desire God, or you will worship the God of desire. Either you will worship the God who made and gave up himself, or you will worship the God of self. And when we hear arguments that say it's your life, you can do what you want with it, it's your mind, it's your body, it all belongs to you, choose you this day, the Bible consistently declares to us something different, that it is not our life, it is not our body, and we are not our own. We as believers have been bought with a price that the created order exists because of a creator. 
And the Bible says that as much as we want to search for him, as much as we want to find him, he's actually not all that far from any of us. As Paul will declare, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But the problem is, as we seek to have a culture that is pro-life in every area of life, it isn't cycles of poverty that will ultimately get us in trouble, although we need to declare that. It isn't a lack of sex education that gets us in trouble. Instead, the, the reason that we have warfare, the reason that we have strife is because our members are at war within us. It is because we desire things that are not of God. And either you will worship God or you will worship something in His place. Your passions are at war within you. It's been this way since the beginning. Sometimes we look at Darwinian thought and natural selection and we say to ourselves, well, they're wrong, so surely the way the world can't be that way. But the world actually is that way. See, Charles Darwin is right to a point. Natural selection is right to a point. It just doesn't go far enough. What they call natural selection, what they call Darwinianism, we call the fall that no longer do our hearts desire to seek to God, that no longer do the lion and the lamb dwell in peace together. Instead, there's entropy and war, and judgment, starvation, and violence. And what we see face everything in our society is that when the image of God is denied, when there is a lack of human dignity from conception all the way to the grave there will be a society that will not honor the image of God that will see people as less than created in his image as subhuman we can't treat people solely based on how we feel it has to be treated based on what God's word says most of our world bases things on feelings and intuitions rather than reason and revelation. And if someone is created in the image of God, that means just from that standpoint, whether they're a good person or not, they are deserving of dignity. And so when you turn a blind eye to someone in poverty, when you see that homeless person holding the sign at the edge of the street and you turn away because you don't want to make contact with them, or when you see someone being bullied and you don't do anything about it. You are denying the very imprint of the creator of God. This is what makes us different than the animal kingdom. God doesn't just speak us into life. He breathes into us the very breath of life. And the reason that we will often turn away is because we want to go our own way. We know that just inherently, wherever you are, that a fetus is different than a set of tonsils or an appendix. I want you to look at how the argument is often framed today. The question for many isn't simply, when does life begin, but as what point does life begin? As if somehow, at some point along the way, at the first trimester or the second trimester, 20 to 30 weeks, Somehow that fetus becomes enough to develop into a life, and that child is magically infused with a soul. But the Bible tells us something completely different. It tells us that a fetus doesn't develop a soul. It is a soul. 
And we see this specifically from what the Scripture says. Here's Genesis 2-7. The Lord formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Job 31-15. Did not he who made me in the womb make him, and the same one fashion us in the womb? Psalm 127, 3-4, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so also are the children of one's youth. Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Hear the prophecy of Luke 1, 13-17, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And the scripture tells us that that baby in the womb leaped for joy after hearing about Jesus Christ. Paul will tell us this, this God that unknown to many is not served by human hands as though he needs anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You know, in the ancient world, a Roman father who was known as the paterfamilias could throw an unwanted child over a cliff outside town and no one would say a word. And of all the unwanted pregnancies aborted in this country every year, Around the world, it is so much more significant than that. 23 times as many children in China aborted as in the United States. Since 1973, Roe versus Wade, 60000000 One in four women will have an abortion by the age of 45. It's the population of England, Thailand, France, and Italy. If you and I are ever going to declare the gospel that we proclaim, we have to be pro-life in every area of life. That starts with respect for women. We understand that women are often under a difficult, difficult set of circumstances. That starts with respect for people groups. See, you and I, it's, it's not enough just to say that all people are born equal before God. We cannot have any form of racism or discrimination in Christ's church. We have to care for widows, orphans, and refugees. And as much as we talk about culture warriors, we don't need culture warriors nearly as much as we need prayer warriors. We need men and women of God who will cry out to God, who will say, I will stand in the gap, and I will make up the hedge, and whatever the brokenness of this world, it can be healed by a God who was broken on our behalf. We need men who will stand in for absentee fathers. We need women who will come alongside neglected mothers and future mothers. And for anyone who is contemplating terminating a pregnancy, they need to hear the love of Christ and the light of His church. They need to hear the words, God loves you and so do we, and we will help you any way we can for the sake of life. And brothers and sisters, I beg of you, what we cannot do, what we cannot do is condemn these young girls and women who get pregnant out of wedlock. We've got to speak the truth in them, to them, but we also have to love them. 
You know what the saddest statistic of the entire pro-life movement is? Listen to this. 70% of everyone who has an abortion identifies as a Christian. Seven out of ten. See, the problem isn't really out there. The problem is in here. And God help us for anyone in that situation who the church doesn't reach out and say, we will love you and we will help you. I wonder sometimes, what is it that these women fear? In some cases, I think it's a fear of being able to provide. In other cases, I think it's a fear of the environment by which they are surrounded. Sometimes it's a fear of stigmatism within the church that the church will judge rather than love. And to anyone who has been in this situation, who has contemplated an abortion or who has had an abortion or knows someone who has, hear me out and hear me fully forthright. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that God cannot and will not forgive. He'll do it right now. I promise you. And the great hope that we have as believers is we know that these children are not seeing life on earth, but thank God they are not denied life in heaven. Thank God they are with Him, even at the throne. So I want to give us a few points of action that I think are significant for us. This is not a, a political sermon. I'm not telling you to vote Democrat or Republican, but I would encourage you to vote pro-life as much as is possible. Abortion is a, is a voting issue for me. I won't personally vote for someone who believes in it. I'm not putting that standard on you, but that's my standard. To be pro-life in every area of life, how we view the image of God. And friends, if we're not helping the poor and caring for the elderly, if we're not making provision for the widow and parenting the orphan, we are not being pro-life. Whatever your position on a wall, whatever your position on immigration, we know that the church has a responsibility to help refugees that extends beyond borders. Wherever they end up in this country or another country, the church is required to go to them and share with them the love of Christ. Many of those refugees may very well be our brothers and sisters in Christ. The second thing I would encourage us in is to, with everything we have, support adoption and foster care. Not everybody's been called to do this personally, but everybody's been called to support this in prayer financially. You know, one of the best ways we can be pro-life advocates is not simply to say no to abortion, but to say yes to adoption and to say we'll come along and help you and love you and walk with you through this. And then the third thing I would encourage us in is to pray. I pray that there's a day in this country where we'll one day view abortion in the same way that we now view slavery. That this isn't simply about making a choice that's personal for you, but about honoring the image of God and that the church will work in every way we can rather than holding up signs and protests saying what you're doing is wrong to also hold out a hand and say we will help you and love you to do what is right. And if the church will not simply say this is wrong and this is wrong but we will also stand up exactly for what is right and we will treat every person with dignity, every person with value from the unborn all the way to the tomb. I pray that God will give us culture.
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.